people always came to me for advice. So I figured I have this knack for counseling people, but then I need to make, understand how to make money from this, right? So what I decided, the first decision that I made was that I was going to hire a business coach to teach me how to build a coaching business. Aloha, our beautiful uh, listeners and viewers. My name is Krista Ralaxmiditton, coming to you from beautiful San Diego, California. And here in Abundance uh, in Action podcast, we believe that each one of us, we have treasures inside. And once we start to open these treasure boxes, we can actually start to live our life as our dreams on our terms. And welcome to this next episode. Today, we have a very special guest uh, from actually here in San Diego, Priscilla Stefan. Welcome. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. Yeah. And uh, we actually met each other through a common connection through Rebecca Masood, who is uh, my coach. We have done like one-to-one coaching as well, uh, Soulful Speakers uh, Club, where I've been. And um, I was actually preparing my podcast with her and then run through like one of the uh, feedback testimonial sessions she was giving for you actually coming to your round table. And I was so getting so fascinated about all the stuff you talked about, like archetypes and, and Akashic records and like because there's so many of those things which I'm also interested in. So I started to look uh, more and then I figured out like, wow, you have roundtable coming uh, just like in like a couple of uh, weeks time. We didn't manage to jump on that one, but then I was like, oh, that's perfect because the next one is after Christmas. So I actually jumped on board with my husband and um, we just had a little testimonial to you uh, how that has been because that was a really nice boost and also reset for both of us. So thank you so much. Thank you for being there. Yeah. And uh, just to introduce you a little more, um, you are uh, such such an amazing woman. And um, this podcast is really, really popular with women like you, you know, superwomen who come and like reset their lives. And as you said yourself, also rebranding your life and yourself, uh, which is never easy. It's lots of pain, lots of like different challenges coming up. But uh, we are willing to do it because we want to live more meaningful life. And your life is a good example of that. So when entrepreneurs want to grow their business without working harder or burning out, they work with you. So intuitive business strategist and creator of the soul fluent leadership archetypes. Priscilla's holistic and pragmatic approach to business and leadership allows her clients to live their dream lifestyle while confidently sharing their soul's work to make a big impact and increase their profit and growth. Originally from Brazil, San Diego is now her home as she works with leaders from a wide range of industries who have one thing in common. They have the desire to create a global impact and live a life of purpose without sacrificing their time, relationships or well-being. Priscilla is certified Akashic Records reader under the Soul Journeys method an NLP practitioner, a healthy living expert certified by the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. She also holds a master's degree from Columbia University, bachelor from NUI, and is a graduate of Tony Robbins Mastery University. She speaks four languages, Portuguese, Spanish, and conversational French, and also English, of course, (laughs) loves to travel, and is passionate about helping women business owners shine brightly. And we will also add a little uh, gift in then how people can actually do uh, find out their uh, archetypes and we will go deeper into that as well. But uh, to start this off, um, I myself also, I have done so many those resets where I just get this strong, intuitive guidance, Christo, you have to go there or you have to do this and one of the big ones, which you just had, like uh, pretty recent, actually, was when you were still in New York and then actually your spirit was like, hey, maybe it's time to move and maybe it's time to get uh, on the other side of this beautiful country where we are. And then what happened? Like, um, what was your journey like? And I know so many people, they may think like one day I will live in San Diego. 
but in both of our lives, we, we live it. It's our dream right now. So how did that came about? It took years. It didn't happen overnight, but I think, I think this is where timing is, is so critical in life. I had come to San Diego for a personal development conference. I think it was November of 2006 or 2007. And the reason November is important to mention is because November in New York City, which is where I was living at the time, it's cold, right? You're, you're entering hibernation, you're getting ready for snow and months of gray, dark, miserable days. And I remember in the hotel room before our conference began, I saw the weather forecast on TV, 70, 72, 75 degrees Fahrenheit, 77, 73. And I just remember thinking that that's what I want. I want this weather all year round. And I felt instantly at home here. And so when my mom had sold her house on Long Island, I was living with her and she was moving on and kind of retiring. I was free. I didn't have a home. I didn't have a husband or children or pets or just had one suitcase. And so I was in this in between living with a friend in Brooklyn. And, and I was already, you know, using the Akashic Records as a way to guide my life, really connecting with my spirit guides and soul guides and just to say, you know, which way do I go? And I'm usually so much more research oriented, but all, all I did was, okay, I want sunshine. I want sunshine all year round. And then I, all I knew was I knew two cities in California. I knew San Francisco and I knew San Diego. Of course, there's a ton of state in between that, but I was like, and then I was like, okay, so which one do I pick? I was like, okay, easy. San Diego, 70 degree weather most, most of the year, if not all year round. San Francisco can be cooler. So that was it. That, that's how I picked San Diego. That was it. And then I was like, okay, if I can get a mileage ticket with my miles to go from New York one way to San Diego, I'm going to do it. And it was just like, like flipping a coin. I called American Airlines, had a seat. I remember it was December 1st was when I called. I booked the ticket and it, when I booked it for February 1st, so two months from then. And that's it. That's, that's how it began. I had one suitcase and I said, I'm going to go and I'm going to tr try it out. And I had one friend here from my days living in Washington, D.C. And she was kind enough to offer to pick me up at the airport because I didn't know anyone. I was arriving at night, staying with a friend of a friend. And I stayed here for six weeks and then I went to New York and then I stayed here for the summer, which is when I went my husband. And then I was like okay, I think, I think I'm ready to settle down. And that's, that was 2015. So I'm coming up on my six year anniversary already hard to believe living here already. And one thing I think, uh, what really stands out in your story, and what I really resonate as well is these kind of jumps, actually, they really um, are actually, you know, really, um, what would you say, stretch or also like kind of uh, challenging your trust muscle? Would you um, would you like elaborate a little bit on that? Like, you know, um, because I think in your mind also, there's probably lots of stuff which was running through it. Like, what if this or what if that? And then, you know, you just kind of follow your guidance and you just trust. And then actually with that trust and faith, you're actually starting to pave the road for the new future and for the new dreams. Exactly. And I think that every time we take a we take a leap of faith step, there is going to be that split between the rational mind. For me, it was like, this is why am I doing this? This is not necessary. The other thing was, this is not responsible. What, what are you what do you think you're doing? Who does this? Why are you doing this? What? Why? You know, and I try to even convince myself to spend one more winter in New York. And I'm like, why would I do that? You know, and I always loved California. I always loved those. There was something about California. It's like one of those spirit things, right? Some places just pull you to them. Right. And so I was like, no, I've got nothing to lose. I was what, 41 at the time, you know, single, healthy, like, you know, I guess. So I just kept telling myself it's just six weeks. If not, it's just a long vacation. 
And I really loved it here. I mean, and, and I came here in the dead of New York winter, right? February, which is the worst month in New York City. And so like I was in a t-shirt and I was seeing sunshine when I woke up and I was like, why would I not love this? And so then I was like, okay. And then I went to New York and then I went to Brazil to visit my mom. Then I came back, I got a house sitting opportunity. So I lived here for free in this gorgeous house for two, two months. And um, I, f- I felt like also I would probably meet my person here. It was just a feeling, you know? And then I met my husband less than a month of my being here the second time and uh, moved in with him about three months after that. Cause then it was like, okay, if I'm gonna move here, do I live by myself? Do I live with a roommate or do I live with him? I was like, I wanna live with him. And so that's where the adventure kind of, um, but yeah, my mind was totally going, what are you, what are you doing? But I always tell people, follow those crazy ideas. The crazy ideas are often the best ones, but they're going to challenge your logical mind for sure. I so agree. And uh, in my life, similarly, I had this first time when I had the idea to travel to uh, Hawaii. And when you live in Estonia, it's exactly on the other side of the planet. So even like to try to figure out like how to get there, like how many flights you need to take and how how much time it takes and yeah, all like the budget, like uh, getting there and so on. Uh, so the first time also like kind of I, I felt the urge I answered I didn't even have all the money when I signed up and then I just kind of took it step by step and voila there I was and then magic started to happen I happened to get into like a, a spiritual kind of water therapy class where actually within three days I released my depth of fear of water and then uh, when I arrived back to Estonia, one of my clients knocked on the door and said like, hey, I heard you worked on the water fear thing. Can you help me? I had no idea. But we jumped in and we started to work. And two days later, she had no fear of putting her head under the water. So magic. <laughs> yeah. And then next time I got like, you know, hey, you have to go to Hawaii for three months. And then also, of course, my rational mind was like, are you crazy? Like, imagine like how much would that cost? And I just trusted, got there. And then one house sitting opportunity after the other came. And uh, it was like I did it three times. So it was like, wow. And after that was um, actually Mexico, which came like, hey, 2013. Now you're going to go to Mexico for one one with one way ticket and I went for a week and stayed for four years. So, so kind of similar stories. So thank you so wow. much for sharing. So, so You're cool. Welcome. Yeah. And um, now um, very big part of your life and everything you've been also created uh, has been kind of circling around the spiritual realm and stuff. Can you also tell us like, how did you get into that world? Because uh, when I saw your CV, it was all like kind of corporate like uh, positions, this and that. And I was like, oh, my God, like um, that's like amazing, fascinating. And then suddenly you're doing all these like really um, complicated, like spiritual things. And many would probably just say like, oh, wow, just now turned completely woo-woo. And <laughs> so uh, what was that, uh, you know, rebranding from that and kind of getting deeper into that? And what was like the impulse in you, which was like guiding you into that direction? Because I think right now there are so many more people who are like kind of, you know, turning that way and, and trying to like go deeper and figure out uh, what was it like for you? Yeah, it was, it's, it's been a, an ongoing journey and adventure of faith and trust and trusting the process, like you said. Um, I, I've gone through three significant career changes. So when I went to graduate school, when I went to Columbia, I got a master's degree in international relations, and my focus was environmental policy. So for a decade, I was working with global leaders, government officials to help preserve the planet, right? And look from the policy standpoint, I worked, I worked at World Wildlife Fund, which has a little panda symbol. I worked for the Inter-American Development Bank, but then I burned out. It was very challenging to see, despite our good efforts to see deforestation and climate change and animals being poached and I don't think that my nervous system could handle it. And it was devastating that I had so much of my identity connected to what I did. Um, And also my ego liked the recognition that most people 
knew where I worked, you know, so it gave me a sense of confidence, but I couldn't do it. And I missed creativity. So while I was still at the Inter-American Development Bank, I developed on the side a fashion jewelry business. Um, I'm from Brazil. I love artisanal accessories and fashion jewelry. So I thought, well, what if I import some of this stuff and sell it in the United States? But of course, I had no idea about import-export, fashion business, exchange rate. I mean, nada, Zippo, right? Um, but I did that for three years and it filled my creative side, my travel, my international side. But the exchange rate to changed to the degree that my being the middleman, so to speak, just wasn't viable. And so I had to make it an executive decision to stop that, which was equally devastating because I'd equally put my hopes and desires and identity into it. And so then I came to what was this five-year patch of fog and uncertainty and cluelessness as to who am I, what am I going to do with my life? I was probably, what, 29, 30 at that point. I was living in Washington, D.C., and I moved to New York City back with my mother. And so I decided to transfer my skills, you know, in um, the work I'd been doing. It was a lot of event planning, workshop design. And so I thought, well, I'll just be an event planner. Um, and so I worked for a nonprofit. I worked then... The guy was not nice to me, so I jumped ship with the first job I could get, which was an investment firm. I turned into an executive assistant, and <laughs> I am not qualified to be an executive assistant. I so value their detail-oriented nature, and I can be detail-oriented in some ways, but not that way. And so I was fired from that job in three months, got to the other job in another investment firm, and was fired from that one nine months after that. And, but these were humiliating, like where, you know, like you see in the movies where you leave your desk and then they ship your stuff and you're escorted out of the building. And for a high achiever that went to an Ivy League school and gone to work great places, would talk literally to vice ministers or ministers of environment to be, you know, shoving papers and, you know, just escorted out of buildings was just, it was... Uh, it was bad for my confidence. And so I really was at a loss at that point. I had no sense of identity. My confidence was shot. I had no sense of direction of what I was going to do with my life. And I was like, are you serious? Like after all that I've done, of all that I've studied, this is where I am. And so over those, um, and even over those years, I would do Myers-Briggs. I'd be like, what am I good at? Do I want to do psychology? Do I, do I want to travel? Do I want to do a travel? I mean, like not, nothing that I liked seemed to pay well either. I either liked it, but it didn't pay well, or I didn't like it and it did pay well and I wasn't good at it. So I was like, where do I find that intersection? And so um, I came across a postcard from Tony Robbins. I decided to take a month, actually a year, I ended up taking a year off. I worked, I was with my mom. I had a little bit of savings and I just, I was, I was, done. I was a basket case. And so I needed time to find myself to breathe. It was a hot mess. And so I did Tony Robbins, you know, uh, UPW four days, you know, where you walk on fire and stuff. And then I had some money from my family. So I did his entire years program. And that was helpful just to connect with people, get a sense of purpose. And then I came across the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, again, also by accident from someone I knew. And then I decided, well, maybe, you know, I could solve my emotional eating issues. And so I went to coaching school to be a health coach, not really because I wanted to be a health coach, but because I wanted to figure out my own eating issues. And sure, it's nice to have a coaching degree, but, you know, not planning on it, not expecting anything then I thought, well, what if, you know, halfway through, I actually did this coaching thing, you know, no intention of being an entrepreneur, even though my father has been a, an entrepreneur for 55 years, very successful in manufacturing. Um, and so then I decided to, um, to start coaching people. And so again, it goes back to just take that next step that's in front of you, just that one next step. And the next step was, well, let me start coaching people and see how I like it. And so I coached people around their health for four years, but it turns out that a lot of the people that came to me for emotional eating had careers that they didn't like. 
So they were eating as a way to compensate for the misalignments in their career choices. And as they, so we didn't talk about what they were eating. We talked about what brought them joy and what alignment was. And it was kind of by accident. And so I kept doing this knowing my life purpose was not to be a health coach, just wasn't. But it did give me a clue that I liked helping people feel like they were on purpose in their careers. And so I just, again, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this until I can figure out what that missing thing is. There's something missing. I had no idea what it is, but I said, health coaching isn't it, but I'm going to keep at it until whatever the it thing is, God knows when I'll know what it is. And then one day in my inbox, I don't know how, you know how people cross promote each other. I got an email about this thing called Akashic Records, and it was a heal your body story program in the Akashic Records. And I was going through some stuff personally, and I knew that I needed an energetic solution to not talk therapy, not, you know, hypnosis or something. I needed something deep. And I was like, that's it. Don't know. Again, one of those things, you see it, you know it. Called the woman up, signed up for the five weeks. And I went, oh my God, this Akashic Records thing is the most amazing thing ever. Why hasn't anyone ever told me about this? And so after going through it as a client privately, she later started to teach people how to access the Akashic Records, which is really a way to access your own spiritual guidance, your soul guides, And so I was like, I think that is the missing piece. I just knew it. That has been the missing piece all along. And so I spent six months being certified in how to read my own Akashic Records, read the Akashic Records of others and healing modalities. And then came the time to practice, you know, with each level you have to do readings. And... I was so scared of doing readings for other people, right? The responsibility of, you know, what is my purpose? Why did my father die? Why did my boyfriend leave me? Will I ever find my soulmate? I mean, everything under the sun, you know, should I move to New Zealand? Will I find, you know, do I have a health problem? I mean, I got everything, right? And so from 100 readings for free in two months, I realized that I'm not a medical intuitive, I hate doing relationship coaching of any kind. Um, I'm not a psychic (laughs) by any stretch, but I'm really good at helping people build their businesses. Um, And I was fascinated by what would come out of my mouth. So four months in, I realized, okay, Akashic Records were the missing piece to the work I'm to do. And I switched, kind of rebranded, I suppose, out of health coaching and into intuitive business. So really helping purpose-driven entrepreneurs build purpose-driven businesses like um, with a combination of business strategy and soul guidance from the Akashic Records. And that's what I've been doing since 2015. Um, Going from that uh, spiritual, like maybe a little deeper into the business because I, in one of the podcasts, you said also like how fascinating is this that, you know, when we start the business or when we become to be that entrepreneur uh, type, you know, we can actually start to manifest things from completely like invisible world and then bring it into here. So now um, from that, the next step is like you're figuring now out like, okay, how to make this business thing work. And I think so many people are also right now getting to that point where they're like, okay, I don't want this job or this doesn't have enough meaning for me. So what else is possible? And then they start to look into like, wow, maybe I can add value or as you love to say, um, contribute, like how can I contribute and then go deeper into it. So when we now have also people who are like on the edge of like this kind of path or crossroad and so on, what would you say helped you to really kind of root yourself and ground yourself like, hey, this is not just like an hobby hobby anymore, but this is now really like I'm taking it seriously. I'm going all in and I'm, you know, creating the systems and structures, um, you know, just mentioning that, you know, you are after like um, a year doing podcast, you are basically the first person who had a speaker page with all the stuff which you need to have there. 
And I was like, wow, this woman is organized, you know, <laughs> she's really serious about her gigs and stuff. So I was like, wow, what an example. So what would you say to those people who are like, okay, I think there is something here. They're all wobbly, maybe also identity crisis, midlife crisis, whatever, Corona, whatever, you know, and then they're like, okay, I'm going to choose this path. What would be your first maybe suggestions, maybe two or three things, what they could focus to really set a really good, strong foundation? For me, when I, when I decided to be a health coach, I realized that it was an industry and it was a business. And I knew nothing about the coaching, the coaching industry and I knew nothing about how to build a coaching business. And so I said, well, I decided, you know, once I got my coaching certification that I wanted to give it a try. Honestly, I didn't know anything else I would do. And I was, and I, people always came to me for advice. So I figured I have this knack for counseling people. But then I need to make understand how to make money from this, right? So what I decided, the first decision that I made was that I was going to hire a business coach to teach me how to build a coaching business, right? I wasn't going to wing it. And I was lucky that I, you know, she like she was like thirty six hundred dollars for six months, and she had a curriculum. You know, every week we had, you know, homework, and she gave us. Um, material. So it was like, okay, how you build your website? I mean, my health coaching program at the time, I don't know if they do this now, they give you like a six month, like template, you know, website where you just put in copy. And so then I hired a copywriter. I had a hired a buy. I felt like, okay, I needed, I needed photos. And I did this, you know, on the cheap, you know, I wasn't spending tons of money, but I also was smart about it. Like I knew I needed a headshot. I knew I needed a business card. So I was like, okay, how do I, I've always liked looking professional because I felt like I also had a ton of imposter syndrome, right? I didn't know if I was good at this. I didn't know any. So I felt at least presenting myself well would help my confidence and maybe help others have confidence in me until I figured out what I was doing. Um, so I hired a business coach that really taught me step by step, you know, what I wanted to do. And that was phenomenal because then it gave me, okay, I got a lay of the land, um, I understood marketing and options and what to do. I'm hiring a copywriter to help me kind of share my message and my bio so I could explain who I was and what I did, right? I joined BNI, which was a networking group because I had to be out there and I'm, I'm an extrovert. So hiring a business coach was important and then really kind of defining what I was going to do. Um, I had a sense, you know, that I wanted to do emotional eating because it was something I understood and it wasn't too technical. And then just kind of deciding, okay, this is kind of where I'm going to play in this space. Um, the second one is that I needed some support. You know, I needed to be around like-minded entrepreneurs. So I understood, um, you know, the flow of the day-to-day -day of life. It's very different than working in an office where people tell you what to do and you have a nine-to-five schedule. So I needed to acclimate to the lifestyle of an entrepreneur. You know, and I worked way too many hours. I was, I worked seven days a week. You know, like you said, you know, I look, I like things organized. You know, if I did a cleanse, then all the pictures are going to be pretty and there's going to be a sales page, you know. Um, so that was the second, the second piece. And the third one was to, I think some people need some time, you know, to find their, their, their way and also to make money. Some people give themselves a timeline. I decided that I just needed a few years to, to, to figure it out if it was something I really wanted to do. Um, and so those were the, that's what I, I mean, I took it seriously from the beginning because I figured I knew if I was going to pursue it, I needed to give it everything I had. Um, I think what was hard though, was that I knew that health coaching wasn't for me. I knew that, um, I had an enormous amount of self-doubt and lack of self-confidence, which you looking at me or my materials, you would never know. It was a way to, to, to um, mask the enormous. I, I felt like people would just see me and I would be oozing just fear of being seen, you know, found out that I didn't know what I was doing. And I would tell people, I don't know what I'm doing most of the time. Um, and so it took a while to build my confidence that I could help people, that I had a knack for business, that I liked business. And I realized I really do like business a lot. I think it can be an amazing vehicle for good. Um, and so, so I think those are the three things. 
hire someone that can teach you your industry and how to make money in your industry. Find a, a, a segment of your industry that feels natural and, and exciting to you and learn what your way to make money out of that business because it is a business. And as my dad always said, Priscilla, you're in business to make a profit. Don't ever be ashamed or afraid to, to claim that. And I think that's an important aspect is to understand the, the structures and what makes a business a business. It doesn't have to be a complicated business, but you need to know how are you going to bring money in? Where are you going to put the money? Where are you going to spend it? How much money is going to be left over for you? Yeah, I so agree. And I really love what you brought out here, uh, because so many of us, when we start on this path, we may think like, oh, I'm just going to wing it. I'm going to just, you know, um, just uh, come up with with a new wheel, you know, discover a wheel all over again. And then actually, uh, you you actually, yeah, not getting ahead and uh, you, you may actually drown into it because you just like, you know, don't know what to do next and so on. And another really important part is support and networking and all of that, which also many people, they think like, oh, I just do it myself. Like, it's kind of like a bigger accomplishment uh, when you do that uh, somewhat, you know. And also uh, the thing with profit also and also connection to money. And you probably have had so many clients uh, coming to you with with that uh, issue also, like, you know, all the beliefs around money and how we actually um, so many times money wants to serve us, but we actually stop or block it because of our thoughts or beliefs or what, what it is, you know. And now let's put it together. So we talked about the spiritual path and the business path. Now we'll marry it. So what would you say is the best like kind of recipe to marry the spiritual and the business and then put them together like the way you have put them together in your roundtables and different programs and stuff? Um, what would be maybe some tips and tools? Because even myself having that, you know, woo-woo background, I'm still kind of like like trying to figure out like you know how to make it accessible, tangible, so that you know people who are also maybe even like more rational would still feel like oh this can be resonating with me or I could get help here. So, what would you say about that? Um, so I'm going to mention here the if I can if you don't mind the um, the archetypes because they really helped me because you were a mystic, wasn't it? I think. No, I was explorer. Explorer, amazing. Yeah. Okay. And I, I think the second one was mystic. So, and Michael was pretty much the same. And in our roundtable group, we had like I think three or four explorers. So we were That's all crazy. explorers. I know, yeah. I know. It was crazy. So let me just, if I can, just take a moment because yeah. basically, I'm there are in my body of work, soul fluent leadership archetypes. There are five archetypes, and really, the archetypes help you understand your innate leadership gifts, challenges, and leadership style. And so why I, I'm saying that this is really important is that it really highlights what you're good at and how to then apply it to business. So for me, I'm a mystic, right? And I'm sure that you must have other listeners in your, on your, in your audience, Crystal, that are mystics too. So who are the mystics? The mystics are the ones who have whose dominant gifts are intuition, creativity, and healing. So this can be everything from a massage therapist to a doctor, to a coach, to a hypnotherapist, to an essential oils person. Um, it can be so many ways that we've, and they're the dominant motivation to lead for a, for a mystic, what they're really striving for is to elevate consciousness and to bring harmony into well-being into people's lives, right? And so what that, and they do that through a combination of intuitive, creative, and healing gifts. And that can mean everything from, you know, you know, being doing astrology and mysticism to creativity can mean actually sewing and doing artistry and painting, and healing can be everything from, gosh, shadow work, archetype work, all kinds of things, right? And so for me, knowing that I'm a mystic, it means that my dominant gifts need to be at the front of how I present myself, right? Which is also a challenge, right? Because for many of us who are spiritually inclined or feel that our work is spiritual in nature, we, we come up against societal or corporate notions that it's too woo-woo. It's not serious enough. It's not concrete enough. It's not 
serious enough, uh, whatever the blank enough is. And then we're also afraid of judgment, of being misunderstood. I mean, can you imagine me living in New York City and seeing Akashic Records? People were like, what? Akashic what? I mean, I felt so embarrassed, you know. Um, I was like, okay, well, I guess that's just the way it is. You know, some people are going to get it. And I just learned some people are going to lean in and the rest are just going to walk right by. And so it's, it's an inner process of befriending our gifts and choosing what am I going to do with this gift? Do, do I want to apply it in my business? Do I want to keep it behind the scenes? Do I want to stay in the closet? And it's really about choosing what do I want to do with this? And then secondly, if you're going to go and incorporate it into your business, make sure that it is in such a way that it is truly at the forefront and highlighted. So for me, what that means is that the spiritual component of the work I do is the Akashic Records, right? I connect to people's guides to provide information and direction and clarity on their next steps in business and in their leadership, right? So that is what people come to me for. That is the number one spiritual aspect. It is also, oh shit, it is spiritual, you know? Um, mm -hmm. But by leading with it, by not holding it back, what that means is that I give people an option to choose yes or to choose no. There's no gray area. What does she do exactly, you know? Or there's something here that I do it, but then everything else is not that, you know? No. Because people will come to you for that. And then there's the coaching, which is a lot of the healing of, you know, holding space, letting people work through their stuff. And then I also use my intuition, you know, and I use my creativity to work, you know, grow the business and how I want to do it. So first step is, you know, whether you do my, you know, you take my quiz or you do any other kind of personal development assessment that helps you decipher what your strengths are, strengths finders, Myers-Briggs, Enneagram, <laughs> astrology, whatever you want, pick whatever your thing is, um, Akashic Records, um, and then lean into that and trust that that's the path. And that might change. You know, some people might decide over time to evolve and do other things, but most likely, like if, if I'm a mystic, my dominant gifts will not change. They might change container or environment, but the gift itself will continue to be dominant. The second one is like, so I'm a mystic, right? I'm here to bring the invisible world into visible, tangible form in the 3D, right? Guidance from guides, support, uh, using my intuition. And so I think if we're going to use, you know, if, if you're doing wild fit, you know, or even health coaching, then that's where I think that language can be so potent so that we can just shift the vocabulary that we use so that the vocabulary is more resonant with a particular audience versus, um, you know, that might be less woo, but that is really craving or open to or opening to a more woo experience. I'll give you an example of one of my clients that was in a round table. She does um, emotional wellness at workplaces. And so she developed these circles for emotional healing and she was calling them, I forgot, they weren't chakra circles, but it had more of a woo name. But then she thought, well, and I remember thinking there's something, it's just still a little too, you know, ethereal here. And then she came up with a brilliant name, resilience circles. So it's the exact same thing, but it speaks to that corporate element of resilience. You know, it's a leadership trade. It's a business trade. It's like corporate trade, exact same offer, different name, right? It's a different and package. It's a different packaging. So, and I think that this is where many of us have, you know, like, are we selling out? Are we compromising if we shift the name? I like to think, well, A, I think it's a, a choice that you have to make every with each situation, situation to situation. And second, I think part of it is, um, can you see that language can actually favor, you know, the opening of doors to people, you know, so you meet them where they're at, you know, um, versus feeling like you're selling out, you know, like, oh, I have to compromise, you know, the name of this for these people that don't get it. Well, either you don't work with them or you make it easier for them to say yes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
Could you say uh, just very, um, very like kind of overview style, the other archetypes too, like, you know what, um, I actually even have the printout, the Explorer one here. <laughs> and what, what really, um, what I loved about it is also, you know, that once you do it, you get like really nice overview and also the pictures, like they really resonate, you know, me and my husband, we are sailors, you know, you have someone here on the top of the mountain and, you know, um, it says here, I lead through experimentation and adventure. And, you know, myself who have been to 30 countries and I was like thinking back, like, where did I feel most alive? And uh, it's definitely the time when I've, I've had and led the adventure retreats in Hawaii. So like 10 days, we are out and about, you know, uh, most of the time in the nature, you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I can plan as well as I want to. Coming from Estonia can kind of get rigid at times as well, you know, but Hawaii does its thing. You know, we all have to adopt, you know, we have to be flexible. It's probably similar to Brazil, you know, the energy and stuff, you know, yeah. so you have to learn to flow and then. All of these people also, which come like from office jobs and stuff, they most of the time they're inside in the offices and so on. Then they are suddenly like in the middle of ocean and they're swimming with wild dolphins, which is like a dream for so many people. And then I was like, why is it so like, you know, enticing and so like making me so alive? And I realized that I'm just like a navigator and a guide for those people. Nature does most of the stuff. And then people will also get reconnected with themselves because they've been so disconnected for so many years, whether it's the job they have not liked or whether it's a relationship they have been to. And then these adventures like brought it out. It was like, not only did I get more alive, but people also, when they went back, you know, their families came to visit, like kind of like, uh, um, you know, uh, pick them up at the airport. They couldn't recognize them because they are just so tanned and so happy and smiling and especially Estonians, you know, because we are kind of more <laughs> reserved and like pale and, you know, so. So can you say some words of, about each of the other archetypes? So um, it's kind of like a little introduction and then we'll do this special gift page where they can uh, access the quiz. Yeah, so there are five soul fluent leadership archetypes. Each archetype helps you understand your soul's language of leadership and contribution by highlighting your dominant gifts of leadership, your dominant motivation to lead, and leadership is defined as contribution, as well as your challenges. I call it your kryptonite, right? And then giving you more insight. And the Soul Fluent Leadership Business Guide is coming out in a couple of months that will show you how for your archetype to integrate your archetype into your branding, your messaging, your business model, team building, and so on. And that's going to be available. I'm so excited. Um, as well, it's going to be available for all of you roundtables uh, participants as a, as a gift and then for purchase, a hard copy and Kindle. So five archetypes, the mystic, the visionary, the explorer, the strategist, and the divine feminine. So I mentioned the mystic, right? Intuition, creativity, and healing are the gifts you're here with a motivation to elevate consciousness and to cultivate harmony and well-being. Um, so second is the visionary. The visionary is the disruptor. They are here to change how we do things. They change the status quo and they're highly innovative. I'll give you an example in the book of this woman who developed toxic-free pest control, right? We're so used to toxic chemicals to kill bugs, right? Spiders and stuff. Well, she decided that's ridiculous. We're not going to harm the planet. What if there's a, a earth friendly way to do it? And she went against her industry and she came up with an innovative, innovative essential oils based solution to pest control. So, and so the dominant gifts of the visionary are that they're strategic, out of the box thinkers, very loud, and, um, and they're, they're really here to disrupt uh, how we think of, of what's possible and they're very efficient. Next is the explorer. The explorer is here, it is a catalyst and a connector 
and they're here to to live their life fully by living experientially right you you know analysis paralysis doesn't really exist for the explorer like you i have the thought i'm booking the ticket and i'm going to figure it out as i go there's no yes you can plan sort of but you're like the plan is kind of a suggestion knowing you're probably going to chuck it anyway right you know that you're going to learn you're going to grow you're going to figure it out by doing not by thinking about it right yeah, and, and nothing will stop me no no absolutely <laughs> no ex- explorers are very much dreamers you dream about what's possible you connect uh, people and ideas and you're a catalyst for that sense of connection and you you learn through adventure a lot of uh, explorers are highly highly travel prone because you know the world is your oyster nature is your muse and people fascinate you right um and so and the way that you lead is by is by doing and um, and connecting with people and through adventure. The strategist is very different. The strategist uses data, is data and process driven. So think of a software engineer. Think of uh, a financial analyst. Think of someone in academia um, or in science. They have a way to consolidate very dense data, numbers, uh, information, and streamline it so that we can use it in, in a way that impacts millions. Like, for example, my husband is a software engineer. He's working behind the scenes with tons of data to help flight patterns in the United States, you know, for, for airports airplanes to not crash into each other and to devise new systems and databases so that all this stuff can be processed, you know? Um, There's someone even who has a school of etiquette and protocol, like she has protocols and processes that you follow in order to have more, to show up more, more, I don't know, professional and, and polite in your work. Um, so strategists are very precise detail-oriented, they're very persistent, highly intuitive, creative too, and their creative elements are often misunderstood by mainstream people because the solutions that they have go against what most people think would be the solution to something. Um, And so the strategists are amazing. They're, They're a completely different breed to me. I don't understand them, but I'm so grateful they exist because I could never do what they do. And then there's the divine feminine archetype, which is really about community and uh, collaboration. Their slogan is really together we rise. We're in this together. And so businesses and business models and messages that really emphasize a community driven approach to a better world, um, whether it be a collective or one of the people in the business guide is the South LA cafe. Their cafe is a community spot. They do uh, groceries, fresh groceries in their neighborhood. Uh, You know, they give bags out to people. Um, It's a spot for the community to come, to gather, to support equity and inclusivity because Divine Feminine is also about causes and making sure that people are feeling like they live in a just society. Um, And so while we all have all five archetypes within us, while we all may shift over time and in our businesses across archetypes, you know, maybe you need certain talents, you know, or your business is calling for something different, there is likely a dominant archetype, a primary one that is calling to you in your business now. And the quiz identifies the archetype that you have been leading from up until this point. And then in the round table, I go into the Akashic records of each participant to see, has that archetype changed? Is that still aligned for where you want to go? Or is it something else? Yeah, so beautiful. I really recommend it because for me, it also actually brought a lot of ease. Um, so many times I have got like maybe feedback or someone has been trying to force me into something or um, into someone I'm not. And then reading that, I was like, oh, that's why I'm like this. or that's why I do this this way. You know, even right now, being in the Wild Fit coaching, um, you know, group, I was the first one who tried out, you know, free masterclass uh, thing. And no one has even come to that. Like they still like building their websites and doing, uh, you know, business cards. And of course, that's another way of approaching it. But, you know, 
I just proved to them, like, you know, I did that and 90 people signed up. So like, wow. So so that's just like I so recommend for people to uh, do the quiz and just kind of give it the time to thought. And and also it will definitely help them to maybe also set new um, destinations and targets. And so uh, let's finish up with uh, one of my other favorite topics, which is love. And I really, when I heard the story, how you met your uh, now being husband, it's um, very mystical, very different. And so many of us um, may think like, oh, you know, like in my case also, like I traveled like uh, so many years, 14 years, and then I just gave up. I was like, uh, there is no man for me. Like, I'm just done. And then um, just one month later, I bump into Michael and I'm like, oh, my God, this is my guy. (laughs) And (laughs) he was not looking. I was not looking. And then we started to like, wow, we are we started to actually do some community work together in Mexico where we were. And we're like, wow, we are so compatible, even like, you know, with uh, project work and business and the way we like see life and value things and it was just so much ease and like, you know, kind of um, coming together in so many ways. I was like, wow, this is so amazing. So you have a really cool story. Um, I I would say it's a totally dancing date. Uh, could you tell my audience also, like, how did that happen? And uh, what kind of dirty dancing was it? <laughs> yes. Well, it wasn't that, it wasn't that much, but it was called the dirty dancing workshop. So um, I had a feeling that moving to California, I would meet my my person. I didn't know when or where or how. Um, when I came for six weeks, I knew I tried going on match.com, but I just, I couldn't, I just knew it wasn't quite, I just, I wanted it, but I wasn't ready. By the time I came back a few months later, I was like, okay, I'm ready. And I was on match, but I'm like, I don't think I'm going to find someone online. I think I'm going to meet them in person. So it was, it was a conspiring of things. I was with a friend and she was co-facilitating this. It was a conscious communication workshop and dirty dancing workshop in one. So it had this kind of conscious element to it. And so my friend was co-facilitating it, but then I saw it on Facebook. It was advertised and then it was sold out for women. But I was like, I've got to be here. It was on a Monday. And then my friend said, oh, there was a cancellation. I can get you in. I was like, great, because I have a feeling I need to be there. And so I went and I was so scared. I was peeing in my pants. I was like, I got an Uber. I was by myself. I was in a city where I didn't know anyone. I didn't know what this was. But I was like, you know, if I don't like it, I can always just get a cab and leave. Right? That was just it. I was I was so scared. And there was this huge, it was in a living room in Cardiff by the sea, overlooking the ocean. It was this gorgeous kind of apartment house thing. And there were 18 men and 18 women on this all around in a circle. And we all had to introduce your, and I was this, I was so scared. I said, I'm so terrified of men. I literally said that I'm terrified of men. I'm so scared. But I was like, okay, whatever, you know, And so then we did paired exercises, men and women, then we did communication exercises, small group exercises. And then a teacher said, you know, let's just create intimacy by dancing, you know? And so it wasn't anything, you know, overly sexual or raunchy, but, you know, it was just using the music from the movie. And so we were switching partners over and over and it was nice and But then around maybe two thirds of the way in, I danced with my now husband, Alex. And I was like, wow, Uh, it was electric. Like I could feel something and I felt so safe with him. And, um, And then he felt it too. And then we danced another song. And then by the third song, I said, I don't want you to change partners. And then we just connected and then exchanged phone numbers And then we had our first date over the weekend. And then we never really left after that. I felt very safe and at home with him. And that was something that was very important to me. And um, then we got to know each other. We talked on the phone and um, pretty much just that was, you know, we came pretty inseparable. And then he asked me to marry him about two years later. We were married 2018 together now for six years. This next week will be our third year anniversary. Um, and we've gone through everything, you know, five moves, death of family, health challenges, uh, 
job changes. I mean, you name it, we've gone through it, adopting a dog and two cats and now looking to buy a house. And, um, you know, I'm just grateful for him. You know, it hasn't been easy. We're very different in many ways. Um, but he is my person and I'm his. And so I'm very grateful for that. So what would you say to people who have also maybe lost or are about to lose hope? Like I, I know so many people have heard my story with Michael, you know, how we met in Mexico, like, wow, guys, you just kind of gave me the hope back that it's possible, you know, what would you say uh, to those people who are like kind of on the edge, like, okay, something must be wrong with me. It's never going to happen. I'm going to stay alone for the rest of my life. What would you tell them? I always tell a couple of things. First, I always tell people my motto is that if I just keep going, eventually the next step will appear. I just knew that if I kept holding on for long enough and I did a 20 years worth of personal development work and, and just all these things, I said, if I just keep going, eventually I'm going to find them. Second, I knew it was a, a matter of me being ready because I was so scared. And I finally felt that I was ready. I was single for a decade. I was 41 when I met my husband. He was 54. You know, mm. uh, there's a 13 year difference. And, you know, I just kept, I know this might sound arrogant, but because it was so easy to always put myself down and think, oh, you know, there's so many other better people. I was like, you know what? There are some really shitty, crappy, awful people that get married and find a partner. There's no reason that I, I know I'm a good person. I know that I look pretty good. I'm kind of smart. So, you know, all I need is one. I got to try, you know, the other key part too, that I think was very critical for me was that I had to, I had to, for me, it was important that I come to terms with the notion that if I never met somebody, I could still be happy. You know, that the idea that I didn't need someone to make me happy. I really wanted to be in a partnership and in a romantic relationship and to experience that. But that if it didn't happen, it didn't mean that my life didn't have meaning and that I couldn't live a really purposeful life. It was like, I really want it, but I didn't need it, you know? And that was that fine place where I had to come to that sense of acceptance. And that freed me up to really be more open to the process. I so agree. And uh, in my case also, I, I went really deep. And um, that time I was actually working very closely with my inner family archetypes and they were actually supporting me through it, like, because I, I was really like drowning into this, like, oh, I'm going to be lonely for the rest of my life and so on. And then it really helped me to start to love myself and be happy with myself. And whether he comes or not, doesn't matter. I will be fulfilling uh, my life missions and just uh, have a blast. So if he comes very good, I have a bonus. If not, it doesn't matter. I will be happy me. So that's a really good attitude to have. So, yeah. And so to finalize, I have one uh, special question to all of our guests. So let's say one time, you know, your time on this planet will come to an end. And what would be that legacy? What would you like to leave behind for the next generations coming after you? I'm not sure that it's related to my work currently, but I do, when I'm asked something like this, I think the question that comes to me, to me is just to remember that love, love conquers a lot and that love matters and to choose a loving, kind response and to choose love, I think first and foremost for yourself and for others. And that love really takes away a lot of the complications and makes things in life a lot clearer as well as our choices. What would love choose in this moment? What, what would loving myself in this moment allow me to choose that maybe my mind would not? Yeah, that's such a beautiful thing. And to wrap it all up, um, I also listened to several um, podcasts where you talked about powerful questions. Do you have maybe one or two powerful questions which we can leave our audience with, which would help them to, you know, be inspired and motivated and rock on. Yes, we talked a lot today about really taking the leap and really pursuing those bigger dreams. And I think that the, and that really um, helps when we trust ourselves. So the greatest question I would ask is if I fully trusted myself, what would I choose in this moment? And the other two questions are, 
is this does this this does this choice feel light and expansive which means it's true or does it feel heavy and contracted if there's a should or i must do this chances are you're trying to force something so does it feel light and expansive which is a good choice for you aligned or does it feel heavy and the third question is is this for now or is this for later you know, because sometimes we might have a good idea. Maybe we might want to do things. Like I knew I wanted to come to California. But it, that's where I think timing matters. Like, you know, like I wanted to meet my husband that year. But it just a few months, it just didn't feel right. It sounds weird, but it just wasn't. So it was, it was for soon, but it wasn't for then, for the now. You know, so I think sometimes timing, trusting ourselves, and then just remembering that it's nobody's life but our own. Only we can really know what's true for us. And if we're really confused, then really a very trusted guide or in a circle or confidant is important to really, who knows us, that can kind of be a, a sounding board, but also really being careful of who you listen to, especially when it comes to those dreams, because people's perceptions and jealousy and beliefs can really get tangled up you know you've got to do what's right for you and only you know that yeah wow thank you so much Priscilla it's been such an honor to be here and collect all the beautiful nuggets and treasures you shared with all of us I'm so grateful thank you for having me and thank you I really hope that some nuggets today really will help people live their dreams yeah, and uh, you said it so beautifully also, you know, life is short, so live a dream. So let's uh, end with that. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you, everyone, um, our dear um, audience and our fans. Please always remember to like, share and subscribe. And if you have any comments, suggestions, always reach out to us. You can find us Abundance in Action podcast uh, username everywhere. Uh, in the social media so uh, thank you and see you next time and be aloha bye